0: Welcome to the Identity of Health podcast. During today's episode, you're going to hear the incredible story of a double amputee who discovered the love of life by climbing mountains and going on adventures and making the best out of what life offered him. Hello, everybody. I'm so honored to have you here to listen to this incredible episode that we're going to run in the Identity of Health podcast. I have the pleasure of interviewing Steven Macklenburg, but he goes by Mac. And he's an author, comedian, adventurer, explorer of life who experienced a big change after losing a step and a half, becoming a double amputee. Now, after being forced to slow down, sees the beauty of life everywhere. Stephen, Mac, welcome to the show.
1: Matt, my pleasure. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, life has gotten slower, but it's gotten faster too, because it all (laughs) depends on how you look at it. My body's going slower, but my mind's kind of sped up i mean i guess the speed's got to go somewhere right
0: (laughs) that's right you know what and since i was ever since that we've had a conversation i've been so impressed with you i've been so impressed with everything that you have done in your life now you you were handed a bad deck of cards i mean you were had both legs everything was going great you know you've had all these other adversities in your life but then you become a double amputee and I know most people, if they would have become a double amputee, would have let that define themselves in their life, but you didn't. So tell me a little bit about your story, Mac. How did all this come about? And when was the aha moment or the shining light or that thing inside of you that said, oh,
1: hell no. We're gotta, gonna some something. has gotta change. That's, something's that, that comes, something's gotta change. Yeah, um, like I I went to to rehab. I'll go I'll go explain how it happened. But that was something in there. They're like, you know, you get to the bottom of something, and then you finally kind of decide something's got to change. That's why I don't even I'm not against four against rehab one way because it's necessary for some people. But everyone to think they get to some point where they just decide something's got to change, and they, they don't need to go to rehab to make them change. They'll, they'll just decide now. No, I'm not doing this. This isn't gonna work. This isn't me. I need to actually be myself but there's a lot of ends like if you could like kind of quote big lebowski a lot of ends a lot of outs a lot of what have you is this story yeah. <laughs> because because i played a lot of sports a lot of athletics mm-hmm. like baseball football and wrestling and then i'm gonna i'm gonna brag on myself now because i got no legs but i was really good i like <laughs> i'm the only good. athlete in spring creek high school that they induced into the the I mean, it's just the school's Hall of Fame, but the school's Hall of Fame for three sports because I was like my senior I was MVP of the league in baseball, and then I was all-state in football, and we won state, and I played both ways, and then um, wrestling, I didn't wrestle my senior because I hurt my back. See, what happened is wrestling, I hurt my back my okay. sophomore year, and which led to herniations in L4 and L5, which I finally got diagnosed after football senior year when I couldn't move, and I'm going to the chiropractor all week getting back in place and they wouldn't even make me practice and then I'd go out and play linebacker and tight end all game <laughs> and, wow. and 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 then uh yeah after after we won the state it was cool because we played in the silver bowl in Vegas and I had to block this guy Jerry Montgomery who went on to be in the pros he got taken by uh people can look him up Jerry Montgomery he was from Virgin Valley he went to Iowa, started a true freshman, and then he brought draft of the pros. He's this 300-pound black guy, and they saw this little 175-pound white guy in the end, and they're like, oh, we're putting over here. And I was just stubborn and mean, man. I was mean then. I was going to take his knees out because I was like, you're not getting by me. I'm thinking anything, but he couldn't do anything on me. We scored all our points in the first half, and then they moved him over our center. He blew him out, and but we still went up winning. Right. Beside the point, but then I kept. Playing everything and my back just got worse and worse and worse until I finally I stopped doing sports because I couldn't go play I was going to play baseball possibly because I blew my ankle up broke my ankle my junior year in baseball so that took me out of that season and my senior year. I had some opportunities to play JC ball, but my shoulder was up and my body was destroyed and I'm like, I'm just going to go to college now I guess I should stop. Went through that doing work, like landscaping and stuff. My discs ruptured and I well, they almost ruptured. I got surgery when I was 20. And
0: mm-hmm. I'd
1: never take pain pills here. I never all my broken bones, I broke bones and everything. And I would like maybe take a couple Viking the night. I broke them for throbbing and sleep. And then they just sit there. Mm-hmm. And then um I got my first surgery, didn't really fix much, and then I just got stubborn. I'm like, I'm never going back to the doctor again. Well, I'm just gonna tough it out, and then then my discs ruptured l4 and 5 and i just got in massive pain all the time when i'm in college mm-hmm. and just to go to sleep i was just drinking every night to go to sleep i, I mean i'd get off work and i get a 12 pack or a bottle of vodka and i would just pound it yeah. and then I'd go to sleep and then and then i finally decided after a certain amount of time and i'm working at this plumbing supply yard and i was working at a pharmacy i was gonna be a pharmacy check then or i was gonna be a pharmacist then i was a pharmacy mm-hmm. check and which taught me a whole lot about drugs right <laughs> i was getting my mm-hmm. biology degree um so i would say though my disruption in the plumbing supply yard and then i got put on percocet and then that like i'm like whoa i don't have pain my pain yeah. it, like this pain is gone i'm like but i don't have this and then so i just started i that was taken when they put me on percocet i was taking eight to twelve within a month Cause that's how much pain I had actually to take yeah. care of. Cause I went there and I'm like, nothing's working. And then they, and I'm in, I'm in college taking upper division opium and anatomy mm-hmm. and physiology. And I do awesome in all of them because when my brain, when I was out of pain, I sit there and think, and then it numbs your body down. All the opiates, they numb you down. So I just could go to the library and I was like a chess game. I could just sit there all day mm-hmm. and study. I didn't care to see my girlfriend or whatever. I just like did what I do, did really great in college got through that and I'm gonna be a pain doctor now because I switched over. I'm like, I'm gonna be a pain doctor because if people have enough dope, then they can do anything. You know? Yeah. So, and I'm teaching anatomy at Truckee Meadows Community College, doing things to take the MCAT over because I didn't take my pain pills when I took the MCAT. And I ended up bombing the last section, which is biology because I started withdrawing by the end of the day and I just did horrible. So I'm teaching at Truckee Meadows and I'm doing that and My meds got changed, circled around, and I ended up passing out during work at Truckee Metals from actually a pain psychologist I saw because I saw her Mm -hmm. and we did visualizations that turned on my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't take any pills, but I was on my joke because I was enough dope to kill Jackson Five because I was taking at least three Oxycontin 80s a day. Sometimes I had four a month, four a day. One month they gave me 180, I had six. And then I'd get 500 Dilaudid 4s. If anybody like dilated for people, it's hydromorphone. So it's morphine's big brother on mm-hmm. steroids. So, and then I'd get like, I was, I mean, I was on so much dope. I was, fentanyl, I get 48 fentanyl, 1600 suckers, which are the strongest pain medication on the market then. And then I get 40 milligrams of methadone. And that's what kept in my system. So my brain chemistry turned on because all the other ones are shorter acting and they would clear out but the methadone's much longer acting. And it made me just, I I couldn't wake up the next morning to give a lab practical. And then my girlfriend couldn't wake me up and I finally woke up and went and it had me way looped out, but I gave the practical and passed out on the toilet between classes. And then I got pulled off of there and I didn't take any pills that day, zero pills, but it was just from the brain chemistry turned on. Yeah, It's hilarious because a cop pulled me off and he's like, what do you do here? like Like i'm I'm an instructor i run the cadaver lab i've I've dissected all these cadavers (laughs) so you're telling me that you had gone through (laughs) this
0: mass amount of pain rupturing your disc like really getting it at a point to where the only thing that appeased you was a heavy amount of painkillers
1: yeah yeah i like i had a lot of pain there where and my body had stopped producing anything and i hadn't learned any other techniques that's why i was trying to do the uh pain psychology because i started mm-hmm. taking a mindfulness pain and stress reduction class to work yeah. on dealing with it and and getting the endorphins myself and doing meditation things but i <laughs> you know when i'm being on the opiates at the same time it kind of it kind of counteracted yeah um, so that ended up getting me fired from Truckee meadows right after okay. they they're like you could teach out and i was a great instructor like people sure you know um you, liked it. you were good at what you did yeah, I'm I'm pretty good with people and, and explaining things to people, so I was good there and and but didn't matter to whoever is the running the department. They just hear you, their instructor passes out from sure. drug overdose somehow, and I didn't even take drugs. But
0: so you're at this point, you got fired from
1: Truckee Meadows.
0: You are now. Are you still on pain meds at this point?
1: Oh, yeah, I was on a ton and I was not going to come off of that because I was so convinced and it could have been because I don't know when my pain subsided to a level where it could have been tolerable. I think it could have been any time. I just would have had to do some really serious meditation and and exercises because now I exercise and do other things and it keeps my body loose and in less pain. Would you consider yourself? Would you? Say that you were addicted to painkillers at this point. Like you oh yeah, I was heavily using them as a crutch. So what I was I wasn't necessarily using them as a crutch, but I was super physically dependent and I super I'd say I was definitely like I was brain like I was convinced, so that's basically addicted that I could not function without them. It was just I was just and then what happened, I moved to Utah because I lost my health insurance and my pills were like four grand a month without insurance. Because okay. I mean, that was a lot of dope, right? Right. So then I uh, moved there to get a job. my brother's like, yeah, you can come and stay here in Logan and you can get a job at Quest as a phone yeah. person. And they give you insurance right away. And I didn't really care. Like, I have a biology degree, I could do other things, but I just wanted something that would give me insurance because that's all I cared about then. Right. So I get over there, I get that, but they shuffle me to different doctors which looks suspicious, which I never broke the law. I never went and overlap prescriptions. I never got, like, I went in there with a the big stack of, you know, records. Like, look at my, my x-rays. I have, like, rods and screws in my spine, and I'm, but they look at me. I'm young, so they just think that you're a drug seeker, which right. I was, but I wasn't. I was like every other pain patient is right now that's all stuck on things that think that they can't do anything else, which is a large percent of them cause I've talked to different people, like a guy who's, who's an amputee who does comedy too. And then he's talking about how a lot of problems it's been in his life. I've seen him. I was, I, I was like seen him on Facebook and then he's, and I'm not, I kind of tried to hint and tribute to him. It's like, man, you need to get off the pain pills. Sure. Oh, but I can't cause of this, 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 and this. So it's
0: a similar perspective is you saw this in other individuals too. So, but at this moment you're in Utah and you're, you know, going to get a job so that you can get on scripts. You're, you have rods and pins in your spine and you have all these other situations and issues that are happening. So then at that point, yeah, you're not going out. You're not like trying to game the system to get more drugs or you're, yeah. you, you know, it's have you're like, look, this is what's happened to me. And you I just, just want to get
1: what you guys have convinced me that this is what I have to do. Cause that's right and that's what you know the doctors you're supposed to go in there and you're not supposed to be in pain and you know you're not supposed to all these things which is complete garbage yeah it's complete garbage it's part of life and that's what the like there was the only one pain management doctor in reno that she had pain herself and had gone from being on a lot of pills to off and that's the one that did the mindfulness stress and they -hmm. understood it but most of the other ones just you know script here's some pills here there and then and then it, it changed to where they're all suffering from what I call CYAS, which is cover your ass syndrome. Mm-hmm. Cause they'll yeah. only give you enough that'll cover that they'll that'll like, okay, you're good. It might not really be good enough for you for to, to adequately cover you, but I can't give anymore because I could get in trouble. Yeah. But you know, so it's like, they're not even medicating anybody anymore. It's just kind of keeping you, which makes you in a, in a point of desperation because then you're like, these pills aren't even working anymore right and, and and, but the problem is is I know how to make things work better because I well, people can figure it out, but I'm like route of administration, just like because mm-hmm. I taken that in college, even a taking a substance abuse and addiction class, yeah. and it's like in you know different routes, and I know biology and chemistry, and it's like you bypass your liver, you like you, mm-hmm. you snorter, you inject it, that's why they do it in the hospital because it goes right into your system and you get a right it's more more so uh get- efficient. So
0: at this point, you've gotten through it, you're in Utah, you're getting some more. When did you come to the realization that, you know what, this has got to change?
1: Oh, well, okay. Then in Utah, shuffled around, they threw me in jail for prescription fraud, which I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had to withdraw from everything and go through hell and jail and suicide watch, which was the most miserable thing on the planet. Wow. But then I come out of jail and take my pills because they're sitting there. And I almost had myself convinced that I could deal with Adam and I could have because I started exercising and my brain cleared out and I was getting back to normal by the time I came out. But something pissed me off. And so I went back to, to add like, yeah, screw that. Blah, blah, blah. And then I took the pills and I didn't even take too many, but I just, it'd been 60 days. So then they built up and they caused me to overdose, aspirate, drowned in my vomit. And then I was found dead and bloated on top of my legs. And then Wait. I come out of a ten day coma with my life cut off. <laughs> you died. Yeah, they found me though. They said, and then they resuscitated me into a into a coma because they, well, what they gauged it off of is the amount of necrosis in my my limbs because they found me. I had gangrene, and then I had all these pressure ulcers and stuff because I was found at my brother's house and they were gone. and They came back to found me. Just I, I I I, well, what I did is I, uh, I took the pills. I went to go to sleep, and I actually because I. Like right before I got thrown in jail, I started switching over to shooting up. And then somebody in jail started telling me, you can shoot up a Vicodin, which you can't, because there's a Cetaminophen. I don't know if I need to go on to this, but I tried. And then and then I just ended up waking up there out of the hospital without any legs, without my legs cut down. Okay, so
0: I'm gonna slow it down a little bit, Steven. Yeah, Mac. So now you have died. They find you. You're in a 10-day coma, and during that 10-day coma, they amputate both your
1: legs. Yeah, they both had they both had uh, gangrene from what's known as compartment syndrome. So your circulation was cut off. Cause I was laying like I got this scar down my face. Sure. I was laying on my arm like that, and I have a pressure ulcer down there, and I have it down my face, and then I have a big hole in my rib here. Sure. My other foot being up on there. So everything's just sitting there and I have a really strong heart luckily or because it pumped long enough and my lungs filled up because so I had severe pneumonia they pumped 1800 mils of fluid out of the lower left lobe of my lung a month after I was out of the coma which then gave me pleurisy and pleurisy is horrible if you've ever had pleurisy which no. it's when you're you're lining between your lung and your rib cage it's called your pearl yeah. cavity yeah it gets dry so it feels like you have separated ribs basically any movement it's like worse because I've I've separated ribs, I've dislocated ribs and I've broken ribs. pleurisy yeah. is as bad as any of them. It's because they drained all the fluid. So the pressure went away, Right. It spread out and everything dried out. And then, oh, you can't breathe or anything. Anybody makes you laugh, you want to punch them in the face. You have gotten your butt rocked.
0: I mean, you've through <laughs> all these injuries, getting addicted to pain medication. And then at some point going into this moment of being in a coma for 10 days and having both of your legs amputated. What was your thought when you looked down and realizing, oh my God, they've taken both of my legs. I mean, what's going through your
1: head in this point? See, when I came, when I came out of the coma, like it was really weird because it was like a lucid dream. And then I had, Because I was kind of, especially because when I was on the pain pills, I was kind of a prick. I wasn't myself at all. So I like went to Hermit and then I pissed off all my family and then we weren't really on good terms and everything. I didn't talk to anybody. And then I woke up and I have all these flowers all over the room and then a whole bunch of family there and they're really concerned and all this kind of love shower down on me. Mm -hmm. So I, and I'd been hurt this is a weird thing. I've been hurt so much in my life. Kind of we were talking about before with the kids who are so sheltered and then they've never had anything. And then, you know, they get a scratch on their pinky and it's, it's like they had their leg cut off. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I had a lot of things before. So then it was, it was like, yeah, this sucks, but I can get, oh, I can, I can figure out how to get over that. But I really like how I'm like, I'm like, people actually cared. I am like, I actually did do something that made a significant difference in people's life that they cared that was there. So that actually right. in a way, you know, boosted my spirits, but then I stayed on the pain pills. Okay. And and they come out because I had more pain with the legs and stuff actually. And then I, I got, I, uh, got out and started volunteering at my prosthetic place and I got my legs and then I went to go, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be a prosthetist. Now I'm going to help other amputees and whatnot um still thinking school which I don't think school is for me even though I'm I could do it I'm pretty intelligent but I just think I have other things that I need to do that I think can go on a grander scale like what we're doing here I think it could like writing books and doing even comedy and speaking and pictures that show like inspirational stuff like what I'm doing I think is a grander scale than I help you know some amputees which is which is which you could help some do a whole lot so it's it's hard to Judge, but um, but I'm still thinking, I'm still going that way. And I never really, I don't think I ever really wanted to be any of the professions I wanted to be. I'm just telling myself so I, so I could, can, you know, you guess yeah. yourself, like, yeah, this is what I I'm like. This is gonna be great and, I, and it'll be perfect for when I'm married and I have kids because I'll have this schedule and that's what I'm just judging everything off instead of like a passionate thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I got into prosthetic and orthotic school in Michigan after I volunteered at my my office in uh, Salt Lake, but I'm still on pain pills. And mm-hmm. then at this time, I'm shooting them all up. And then I go there, and and then trying to get a doctor there at grad school. It just everything just tumbled down. And then I overdosed again, and this time was really more my fault. I'm out of pills, and then I just like. I'm, and then by then, I knew I was a junkie actually, because after after the first time, you know, I'm convinced that I'm doing it all for pain. But then after. Some And I even went to AA and stuff before I went over there. And I was, cause I was trying to like, you know, I, it, the, the AA was still like, if you use them as prescribed, you're okay. I'm like, yeah, oh. after I've come off, cause your brain chemistry is still messed up. It doesn't matter. Right. So you're still not the same person you are, even if you're, that's, I don't know. It's just ridiculous to me, but they try to be inclusive is what it is. Instead of being like, no, this doesn't work. You can't take, you can't just take, a different kind of dope, just because this isn't heroin and you got it from a doctor, it's still pretty much heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and- So,
0: and now you've overdosed again, based upon you're just following that similar pattern of just dropping back in to the way yeah. it was. And now you have no legs, you have every-
1: I almost lost my arm with that. I, I really should have died, but I, because because I did it and I fell over on this shoulder and I have an indent in this shoulder right now because I got uh, rhabdomyelitis and it was eating the muscle away mm-hmm. and you know when i woke, when i came to in the hospital because they found me in the dorm room out and then they and then they narcan me in the ambulance and i came back to life mm-hmm. and that time i had a completely different experience in my coma which this time was was kind of what the aha moment was in a way because i'm on top of a mountain and i'm down on my side and there's all these people circling around me that i knew from my life and they're like on skis and i'm like yelling for them to help me up, help me up, help me up. And they're just going and they're just going and they're like, no. And so it was kind of like a death experience yeah, where you're seeing people like almost skiing around you as you're on the top of a mountain. And it was, it was telling me that I got to get myself up. They're not going to get me up. Nobody's going to get me up. If I, if I want to actually get up and, and get somewhere, i got to have to do it. And, and then boom, I wake up in the ambulance. And then that was like kind of, a couple more things happened. I, I tried to play, get, keep my same blind BS going. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then it finally came where I got to go back to, I got to go to rehab. I got to get off, I got to get off pills and I got to do something different. Cause this is just, cause it was miserable. The whole way of living is miserable. You're lying all the time and you don't like anything. You're just trying mm-hmm. to appease people to leave you alone so you can take your pills and do mm-hmm. your dope. That's like, what existence is you're almost wish that a bus hits you. Like every time you cross the street, you intentionally don't look both ways. <laughs> you're yeah. like, no, cause man, this time it might happen.
0: Yeah. So you're you, before your near death experience, you're having suicidal thoughts. You're having all of these oh, yeah. things moving forward. Then you have your near death experience in the ambulance and you experience all these things. So when you woke up from that, you decide, Nope, it's done, I'm going to rehab, I'm no longer going to be dependent on this.
1: It took me about a week or something and I tried to do things for a second and then I'm like, what am I doing? That that's, that's, this is what I, I gotta get out of here. And then I just uh-huh. dropped out when I was, I was failing out of school anyways, cause I wasn't taking anything serious then anyways. I was just worried sure. about getting dope all the time. Yeah. And, and then I went back and um, went through rehab and rehab, they kept me on a bunch of different pills. They have me on all these other non-narcotics but like I was on like five different pills and then and then one day I was sitting at a coffee shop when I was in a halfway house and everything see this is the other thing I don't like about rehab everything is what you can't do can't do don't do this just as long as you don't use and it's good and it's like mm-hmm. no I gotta do it's like I gotta focus on doing instead of not doing because that that drives me crazy and it makes my pain worse than everything when I'm just like I can't do this because then it just starts eating at you it's like, I still believe I can do anything. I just choose not to. But what you're talking about is a purpose. Yeah, I got to be doing and doing something that's meaningful instead of sitting there focused focus on what I can't be doing. So yeah, yeah. It, it completely, t- it, that's like, I think the cure to addiction more than anything is having a purpose mm-hmm. and having something you're doing because then you don't want to be loaded because you're too busy. Yeah, You know, you got other things that actually have significance in your life that it's like, I can't screw this up. I can't go out to the bar. I can't go do this. I can't be on this because it's just, you know, it's, it's just destroying everything. It's causing no benefits for anything. So fast forward,
0: you, you found your purpose. You're, you're getting, you're developing your reason. What was the first step? Like really is when, you know, what was the first big adventure you did? Because for everybody listening, if you don't know Mac, how many mountains have you climbed, Mac? I
1: don't know a bunch. <laughs> like a bunch. Like the like the heart. Like the tallest one was White Mountain Peak in California, which is the third highest peak in California at fourteen thousand two hundred and fifty-two feet. And the famous one that everyone knows is Angel's Landing in Zion, mm-hmm. which now you need you need like a ticket, and <laughs> so you, could, right, you, could, right. you could you could give people five of the whole way up that that's so busy but
0: and and you know and as i read your book mac you talk about climbing these mountains in your book and um mac wrote an incredible book called the hop about and so there it is the hop about right there and so and the tagline is "It's right back to where i belong so really you climb these mountains as a double amputee after coming out of a dangerous drug addiction that killed you twice. And the last time that it went through, you,
1: you're kind of like, oh, hell no. Yeah, this no is, more. Not, this gonna is be not who I am. I wasn't living anymore, it was, it was surviving. I was in this state of surviving and I'm like, and I've met people like this on, I wrote about one in my book, cause you're talking about one of the mountains I climbed was Telescope Peak and Death Valley. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming into there and I'm all feeling, just proud of myself because it's a very hard mountain. Um, it's right. It's it's only well, only it's only eleven thousand forty nine feet, but it's in Death Valley, so you're overlooking negative two eighty two, and it's super steep, and it's fourteen miles round trip, and thirty yeah. four hundred elevation, and it's just on this super sl- side hill, which is difficult as an amputee because one side I don't have elevation control where my prostate leg is, and okay. then I don't have as much on the other side because I have, you know, half a foot, so it doesn't bend. Um, but the lady I'm coming in from Beatty and I'm getting gas and I'm just feeling all just, up in my, up. yeah, I Just yeah. and, and I talked to like, so how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing awesome. I'm going to go climb telescope peak. And she's like, oh, well, wh- where's that? And I'm just like shocked. Cause you're right next to death Valley, you know. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. And I'm like, oh, it's over. It's over in death Valley. It's the highest peak there. Oh, really? i've never been over in there i heard it's really pretty i've been always too busy working you know i've lived here 15 years and i wanted to say you know are you sure you've lived here or you've just survived here and i don't want to i mean that's a harsh way to put it but it kind of yeah smacks you in the face a little bit with i think it's a little reality because always too busy working if that's all you're doing then you're really just surviving and supporting the machine i guess you call it you know you're yeah you're not really living your life you're just kind of living as part of the society to i need to fulfill this spot so people other people that are actually living mm -hmm. can get gas and i love that thing to me
0: i love how you say that mac are you living or are you surviving and i think so many of us survive based upon what we think is right and it's not wrong it's not like something that no but you know, you know, for everybody, listen. Ask yourself: Are you living or surviving? So you
1: started to live, and you climbed Telescope Peak. That one was hard. That one, and I did it stupid. I had no, I, because my disability got shut off because I didn't go to a doctor to prove that my legs didn't grow back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to, we got to employ people <laughs> in the government to ask these kind of questions because they're, I right. mean, yeah. so it got kind of turned back on i i was getting ssi then too like for a hundred dollars and it got turned on and the other part was supposed to come back on and i was like at a friend's house in Elko, and i was too i was too impatient i'm like i gotta get going i gotta i gotta get back on the road yeah so when i was looking up good mountains to climb i was gonna go down to climb wheeler peak which i've climbed now which is a tough mountain in, in great basin at thirteen thousand. um and i'm like oh i've been to wheeler i've been to great Basin. i've never been to death valley i'm gonna go there so I just zip off there. I had a case of water and like I had a gallon of milk when I left, but I drank it all that by the time over there, I had like a quarter gallon of milk mm-hmm. and my money wasn't coming in and I didn't get any food stamps either. And then, and then I had like, so like my friends, they would give me marijuana cause that's all I use now for pain. And so I had a quarter of marijuana and then my other friend gave me a bunch of mushrooms cause they make me feel like I grow legs. So I'm like, I'm going to grow legs. I'm going to hike up the top of this mountain under the super moon. Right. Uh, and then I'm going to come down and, yeah i ended up sleeping on the mountain twice because i was just not gonna i was like there and i was not gonna turn around and it was yeah but at this point maybe silly to some people but like it didn't kill me and i knew i could do it that's that's like the hard thing we're talking about it's like Mm -hmm. i would have defeated me in a way just to not do it because it's something that i knew was achievable Mm -hmm. you know if it's something like like how i just tried to climb mount whitney and it Got into ice and different things, and then I hadn't been able to hike and a brand new leg, and my battery died on the leg and all these things. And I was still like, I'm gonna David Goggins this man. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay hard. And I'm like, I almost stayed hard on there for yeah. a long time from Brigamortis because I was gonna die. <laughs> 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 that was gonna be the staying hard. It was gonna but be really hard.
0: You weren't willing to give up, and I like what you said. I I can do this.
1: No, I knew I it. I knew I knew I I knew it was. I knew I could so I couldn't I couldn't say like well I'll do it another time like I'm like I know I can do this so if I turn around Mm -hmm. right now it's me not doing something that I know I can do it's like if it's something that I wasn't sure like like with just Whitney now and there's ice and it's getting Mm -hmm. because I mean summoning is important but Living is the more important, people, you know. Say so, like, oh, man. I knew I could summit, and there wasn't anything stopping. Me. There wasn't ice. There wasn't the weather. wasn't bad. There wasn't anything. So, only thing that was going to stop me is that I was going to give up and not keep going. And I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to let that happen. That would have like killed me inside. I like. <laughs> I think I read about that in the book because I started. Because mm-hmm. I would, I would sit there and badmouth myself because you know I'd be like, oh, you know, I. Just, what am I doing? And then I'm like, no, it's good. You got to do this. Stop being a pussy. You get on the mountain and keep going. You just go right. one section at a time, you know, like anything we, just starting mm-hmm. don't look at the whole task, look at little bits and then, and then I, you can achieve it.
0: Yep. Oh, absolutely. But look at the perspective change. I mean, we're talking about a period of time where you said you didn't even look both ways crossing the street yeah. in hopes that you were going to get hit by a bus. And now you're on this mountain and you're climbing and you're like, no, 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 life is worth living. And you've got this completely different perspective and you keep taking that step forward. You keep moving forward no matter how hard it is. You're like, nope, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to keep making this happen. But the whole time too is What you had mentioned in your book is that angels had come around you, like different individuals along your path. And, you know, as you walked, things would pop up, different things that you would need. And the inspiration that you left so many people on just Mount Whitney, even though you didn't summit, but the amount of people that looked up to you while you did that. So now you're an inspiring leader, whether you know it or not. That was You're fun. actually starting to reshape your life, no matter how much adversity had come to you. And Mac, you had no reason to shape your life this way. You had every reason to sit on your laurels and be like, well, they took both my legs. I'm not going to be able to get up. And instead, you said, oh, hell no, this well, is not going to be this way.
1: Here's, here's the thing, Matt. I love to party, but a pity party is one party I don't frequent. yeah it's definitely not worth it it's a lonely place it's like yeah i don't want to no i don't mind. i stay out of the pity party yeah there's always stuff i mean there's a lot of people a lot of worse stuff than me they're they're out there all over there's there's as soon as i think anybody starts thinking whoa is me i got it harder than anybody their life someone will come around the corner Mm -hmm. it'll completely blow you away that is smiling that has no limbs Mm mm-hmm (laughs) <laughs> you know and yeah. it's like people are like oh I, you know if i was like that i'd kill myself it's like nobody knows what they'll do in any situation until they get to it mm-hmm. that's why i hate when when i hate comparing things with people who are like mm-hmm. i would if i had this app i do this it's like well i'm sorry that you think like that because you don't know what will happen and that's limiting your own strength that is like telling yourself that you are weaker than you can be because mm-hmm. that's saying oh this situation would beat me Mm -hmm. no 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 (laughs) i always think no none of this is going to beat me Mm -hmm. none of it is going to beat me like whatever you throw at me that's just Mm -hmm. more more to overcome which like what i was saying on whitney when i tell my friend i'm like this is just making for a better story when all these Mm -hmm. things are going wrong like my broken afo and then my battery dying and i was gonna keep going i met this guy on the trail i was seven miles in i was like 20 switchbacks up the infamous 99 switchbacks and i'm like man my leg just died and he's like maybe you should turn around here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I think this is gonna make coming down easier because my leg will always be locked. You know, Just lying to yourself. Like, I'm like, I'm just gonna keep lying to myself. But I'm like, no, I'm gonna come to reality. <laughs> and be like, oh, this, is gonna, this is gonna be recreational suicide if I just keep going here. And I, I wanna right. live now, so. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I love it. I mean, you made that declaration. I wanna live now, so no matter what. But during this entire journey that you're on, Mac, You're inspiring other people that are watching a double amputee climb up a mountain and not allowing these struggles and the adversity and the I can'ts and all of that to stop what you're doing. And that's why I think your story is so beautiful is that when you step into this, you completely started to say, no, this is not going to be who I am. And you started to take these small little steps the other way. And you started to say, you know what? I'm going to climb this mountain. I'm going to try this. I'm going to make this happen. In the pre-show when we were talking, you've bought yourself a kayak. And so, you know, with all of this stuff coming into it, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm going to get a kayak and learning to lean into the rock instead of away from the rock. Be dumped <laughs> as a double amputee. The hard
1: way, for sure. I learned, but, I learned and, the hard way. <laughs> but at that point, you're
0: not pushing away from the hard way. You're leaning into the hard way of life, and leaning into the beauty of life. And so, and another thing you had mentioned is slowing down. You started to slow down and look at the beauty from a very different perspective that most people don't. So now you're doing photography. And you're stepping into this space of these beautiful pictures because your perspective of life has changed,
1: of who you are as an individual. Which I like. This is my old leg, but this I like this this picture. I really like if you if it'll read the bottom of the box.
0: Yeah.
1: So you think you can't, and that's just there. And I just love it because you're at this, you know, fourteen thousand foot peak. I know the the, photography is fun. Oh, that's a good picture. So showing pictures
0: right now of, you know, some photography work he's done, but he's leaned into that, those perspectives of your life, Matt, that you stepped into. What has been one of the most beautiful perspectives that has changed and started to reshape as you step into this, you know, beauty that's
1: all around you? Well, Because everyone look at everything, you know, different perspectives. And now, whatever I do, because I like, I mean, I kind of have a negative or a positive feedback loop in a way to not get angry because it puts me in more physical pain. Mm -hmm. Because it's the way your body operates. You'll change your, into your parasympathetic, or your sympathetic from your parasympathetic, and then it's your pain tolerance goes down, all these things, and your body tightens up. Right. So I got to stay, I, I try to stay happy and in a good mood because it physically... I don't hurt as much, but now like going out on the trail, like I, everybody it's just like, it's a bonus that people don't understand. I just get to go out and do normal stuff. But then when I do other things that aren't even normal, it really gets people excited. Mm -hmm. And this, to be able to do that, that like makes it easier to be on the trail because, you know, I go out and do stuff. I just want to do anyways. And then it makes everyone else so excited that I'm out there doing it, you know? So now like before, look at whatever like I could have done more things but mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily could have done more things because there's all kinds of things that I can do now just doing the things that mm-hmm. you know I maybe want to do before that just causes all these other effects that I never could have had on so many people so it's like I kind of look at it in a way I've gotten beaten up a whole lot of ways whatever but like you said God universe whatever saw that I was I could handle whatever and kind of come out of it Mm -hmm. to be a benefit to other people right now now, now, like when i hiked angel's landing there was a whole bunch of people that were like i wasn't going past scouts look out but then heard there was a one-legged guy doing it so then i had to go do it
0: (laughs) so do you consider yourself an inspiration now to other individuals
1: well i mean i try i i I mean i i I try to stay in a humble mindset but i I think Mm -hmm. i am i've been told enough times and a lot of people just get it solid. So I, I know I am. So then that's why I really want to get out and more things like, you know, like that's why I love being on your podcast and these things that I can get out to other people because it's, it's kind of a, it'd be a, a waste. Mm. It would be kind of like, I'm not utilizing my benefits. If I don't, it'd be kind of a, a selfish, just kind of a garbage thing by not yeah. getting out. And cause it's, it's like I have this thrown on me. I can either use it to benefit and like maximum benefit, or I could go hide, or uh, you know what I mean? Because I, I really mm-hmm. enjoy going around and no one knowing who I am in a way because I just go and they shock. I'll, I know all these people are going to have these stories yeah. about, you know, like the one guy at Angel's Landing when I'm on, I'm taking the picture, I'm on top of the rock. He's like, I had to get a picture of that too. No one's going to believe this, you know, because no one, <laughs> like, I had people all over. Like when I was doing Whitney, and then I'll do silly stuff like my prostate leg. Like I'll, I'll flip the leg around and put my foot in my mouth, you know, I'll get there the <laughs> picture, they'll be there and then all this stuff, so I'll do silly things. And then, you know, it's, 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 man, it's so fun just giving people all these stories that they're, cause it's not, it's very unusual. I'm going to say like, I, I'm a very unorthodox person. So it makes things really fun. And I think it helps kind of other people Get inspired to maybe break out of the mold of what they don't want to do too. Mm. Because so many people, like we said, they're they're stuck in these trains of thought that have just been ingrained from whatever. And so, you know, classical condition, you hear it over and over and over, but you'll have that internal drive that's like, I don't really like this. Mm-hmm. I don't they're want survived. to do this. Yeah, they're surviving and they, they see something different. And then that's the little steps, like you say, just little steps. It's just getting started. Yep you know, that's the hardest part for sure is always just getting started and formulating exactly what that's, this has still been my problem is, is narrowing down my goal. Exactly. Like, cause I'm doing the photography and I am writing the books and I'm writing another short story. And I really think I want, I want to get into speaking. Cause I think I really could really help a lot of people with that. And I'm figuring out, and I just sent a message to Toastmasters to try to get involved in that group. So I can, I can mm-hmm. branch out bit, but it's, I think this is a big problem with a lot of people. Like we're talking about the purpose, having that narrow defined more purpose because then you can attack things. You know, when you have the problem, you can attack it. And that's always, I know it, like attack it. And a lot of people, and I was like this too, you're, you're not sure what your goal is and what you're aiming at. Um, I really love like, like the photography yeah. is one thing. I really love doing it. And I think it's different what I'm doing and people seem to like it. Mm -hmm. So, so, and I mean, I think I I could join that with speaking and do these other things. And I, I,
0: Mac with everything you've ever done in your life, just name it, name what you want to do. You do it. (laughs) like, I have no doubt in my mind (laughs) with everything that you have done going from all of those journeys and all those perspectives and that new viewpoint that you're looking at as life. Now, this incredible life that you're living. And you're finding your purpose and you're finding as you step forward in every step that you take is this other beautiful perspective of this or something better. And you're creating this better. You're not just allowing better to come to you, you are finding it and you are creating it. So Mac, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. This has been awesome. And I, I am honored. And I'm so looking forward to what you are going to do next. So everybody that's listening, definitely pick up the book, The Hop About, right back to where I belong. Mac is just an inspiration. And as you read the book, you will be inspired that there's really, I can go through anything and I can make it happen. So thank you, Mac, for being on the show. I so appreciate you and everything that you have done.
1: Matt, it was fantastic.
0: It's definitely going to be fun. And uh, I cannot wait to hear about your next adventure. So thank you again.
1: Yeah, I'd like to come out to Colorado too, like you said. Oh, heck yeah.
0: Come on out. We'll go climb a 14er. That'll be great. That'd be fun. All right. We'll see you guys, everybody. We'll see everybody later. And uh, keep at it, Mac. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today and I hope you left inspired. Leave us a five-star review and begin following us on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, if you are diagnosed with MS and want to join a supportive community, come join us on Facebook in the Identity of MS private group. In the show notes will be a link to join the community. Remember, you are good enough to heal anything And I hope you give yourself permission to heal.